the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are talking a property that no one gave a crap about, I don't think at the time. no one. I don't think a lot of people remember this one or even knew it existed. Yeah, I don't remember how we got so into it either. Um, we're kind of doing a college episode, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, we are going to talk the 1994 film With Honors, and then we're going to talk the much more remembered show, A Different World, and then we're going to recast With Honors using actors of today. So we'll discuss more about With Honors and uh, kind of all of you know how we found it and got nostalgic mm-hmm. for it. But uh, yeah, so both of these shows, or this movie and this uh, show, is all about kind of college life to an extent. Right. I don't know. I, I was excited to rewatch this one. It hadn't been a movie that I'd seen for a long time. Yeah, it'd been a hot minute since I've seen this one. Yeah, so, and as I said, it came out in 1994. John, could you let us know what else happened that year? All right, well, the film was released on April 29th, 1994. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. Oh, all right. That did that make our sexy time songs list? I feel like it might it, have. It didn't make mine. That's for sure. It didn't make mine, but it might have made Ben's. It might have made Ben's. Yeah. Uh, the uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was Seinfeld. Okay, I know. I know a great podcast people can listen to all about <laughs> Seinfeld. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing that out there. Uh, the video game that people had been playing for a little bit at this point was Final Fantasy VI. Okay. Um, I've never, yeah, still to this date, never played a single Final Fantasy. I have tried, I don't remember which one I tried playing. I tried playing one and couldn't get into it. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, can't do it. Uh, the New York Times bestseller is a book called The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. Not one I'm familiar with. And my fun fact for 1994, uh, the REM song, What's the Frequency, Kenneth? Great song. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it slows down towards the end because bassist Mike Mills had appendicitis attack while Coach. he was recording and had to be rushed to the hospital, and they chose to keep that. Th- that's the take they, u- they that's wanted. That's the take they used. Okay. Interesting. So, there you go. That was 1994. <laughs> All right. What a wild year, John. Uh, now, let's talk us some with honors. All right, with honors, 1994. This film was directed by Alec Kashishian. Kashishian, sure. He had actually done music videos. That's what he was known for. Music videos like Bobby Brown's My Prerogative, Don't Be Cruel, and Every Little Step. Uh, Also directed the music video for Madonna's I'll Remember, which was the song that was made for this movie. It was the lead single off the soundtrack. I find that interesting, and I, I'm sure I'm sure you're probably going to bring him up. But I, I looked up who the composer was because I actually was mm. listening to the music, and they he was using a fretless bass for a lot of melodic stuff, which I found to be very very uh. interesting, and I really liked it. So I was looking up the composer as we're doing this. He also is mostly known for doing music videos. Music videos, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then also I want to say the director also did uh, more recently the Selena Gomez video, music video for Hands to Myself. 
so yeah, just a lot of still kind of stayed in that music world. Uh, no, I wasn't planning on bringing too much of the other because they hadn't done too much stuff right. that I recognized. It was this is like a music video crew. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird. So uh, let's chat the cast. Uh, Simon is played by Joe Pesci. You know him from Goodfellas, Home Alone, My Cousin Vinny, tons of stuff that Joe Pesci has been in. Uh, Monty, played by Brendan Fraser, The Mummy, Encino Man, George of the Jungle, uh, more recently The Whale. He's kind of kind of getting and Doom Patrol recently as well. Mm-hmm. Courtney is played by Moira Kelly. Uh, she was in The Cutting Edge. She was the voice of Nala in The Lion King, and she was on that first season of The West Wing that we talked with uh, with Chris Hollister. Yeah. Also, Run Tree Hill. Um, Everett, played by Patrick Patrick Dempsey, who we all know from Grey's Anatomy, Can't Buy Me Love. He was an outbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, outbreak. A lot of stuff from him. Uh, Jeff was played by Josh Hamilton. And not tons of stuff. He was in later seasons of The Walking Dead no. and thir- 13 Reasons Why pretty recently. Okay. Uh, but I didn't see like a bunch of stuff that I recognized him from. Okay. And then the uh, last person I'm going to rem- uh, mention is Pitt Cannon. Uh, who was played by Gore Vidal, uh, who is a novelist and a writer. He was a public figure involved in politics and things like that. He really he was did some acting, but mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, he was much more of a political kind of guy. Yeah. So I could not find the budget of this film. So this is not a well-known movie. It's, I guess. It's just it's really not. I couldn't find the budget anywhere. I did find that the box office made around 20 million dollars. I would guess the budget was probably around the 10, you know, maybe because it's not like a huge budgety type of film. Right. But that definitely would mean this was not much of a success. You know, I don't think this was a huge success type of movie. Let's discuss what do we remember? Like, why the hell are we talking with honors? It's definitely a movie that we watched fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. I definitely remember this being a rotation film, and I don't remember how we found it, who introduced it to us. I've always thought that this was a fantastic film, kind of, you know. If we watched it a lot as a kid, I'm, I'm going to have, yeah. you know, nostalgic thoughts for it. Definitely, I'm guessing now, a very underrated, lesser-known film. Mm-hmm. I always thought the acting in this movie was pretty top-notch. Yeah, I, so it's funny. Uh, we, we talked, I had the exact same, obviously, nostalgic value as you did, which was, mm-hmm. Very nostalgic. I remember watching this movie, us as a family. Yeah. All of us as a family. Now, I can't remember if it was mom or if it was dad. Right. Hell, it might have been both. (laughs) But at either times, I just don't remember who we were first watched it with, but we did watch it often enough. And I hold it in the same esteem as you do. Like, it's in that, it's in that realm of Dead Poet Society, Goodwill Hunting, with honors, right there. Yeah. In that kind of quality for like the... There's drama and some comedy mixed in, like, and we just talked uh, Dead Poet Society, and I'm glad we're having this one not too much later because I think it's a movie that that people just don't know. But ah, do I think it's worth talking about and and worth we're watching it now later? Well, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that as we go. But yeah, when I was a kid, I thought it was just as strong as any of those other ones. Yeah, I agree. But n- people didn't really seem to know it. Hmm. So. All right, let's get into our scene-by-scene breakdown. And we start off, we are at Harvard. We get some exposition uh, about, you know, seniors. They're freaking out about their theses. And it's Patrick Dempsey, Everett. Everett is the campus radio DJ. He lo- I love his line of, You too can rule the world. You just have to crush everyone else first. A little crushing music, maestro. Get things started off, and it's, 
She Sells Sanctuary by the cult starts. Yeah. And then you see uh, Monty start running out. Uh, it's just, it was a good edit. I thought it was a good way to kind of get things going. Mm-hmm. We see Monty running around, messing with uh, Courtney. Uh, she's kind of like a, an, a, of a, a coach or a captain or so of like a rowing team there at Harvard. And we see Everett is like the artistic type. Monty is the kind of stick up the butt uh, student type. And he has a meeting with Pitt Cannon about his thesis, which goes well. But I really, and I'll tell you, I absolutely listened more. Now, as a kid, a lot of like what his thesis was about went over my head. I didn't really right. pay attention to any of that kind of stuff. Now I actually kind of heard the words he was saying. And I was like, what a fucking pessimistic piece of shit that he was talking about. He was talking about how the people are awful and you got to rule with an iron fist and like you can't trust the the public to do anything right for themselves and all this kind of shit. And he got these kind of ideas from Pitt Cannon mm-hmm. um, and Pitt Cannon loves that stuff. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is a really sad view of politics. <laughs> yeah. And really interesting. But yeah, but it's going well right now. His his thesis is is is, you know, looked favorably upon by Pitcannon, Pitcannon, uh, which basically will mean he will graduate with honors summa cum laude. And that's that will set him up for life. So that's what this whole is about. This movie is about him, him wanting to graduate with honors and do really well for himself. We see Monty, Courtney, Everett and Jeff. They're all roommates. Uh, Monty continues to work on his thesis on his computer. And then the power goes out. Oh, fuck. I remember those days back in like the 90s when if a power goes out, it might fry your entire motherboard. Right. Things didn't have as much protection or, you know, there was no surge protectors or that kind of shit. And so his computer is fucked. He can't get it back, but he only has 10 chapters of it printed out, uh, which he's been working on this intensely. And so, but he's a freak. He can't wait till the next day. He has to go make copies right then and there. Uh, So Courtney is going to go help him, you know, help him out to, to go get that. But while he's running, he trips and falls, and his thesis just so perfectly falls down this grate <laughs> yeah. into a boiler room. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit too, like, right on the nose. But a lot of things I noticed with this movie are right on the nose. But um, but yes, so it goes down there. Courtney luckily knows the guard, so she sneaks him in. And he goes down to check the boiler room. But when he does, it's gone. He can't find it. Instead, he finds a homeless man who are using who is using the pages for kindling. And this homeless guy, he's a little bit different. He's a little bit wacky. Um, I love his line. Your thesis? Is that what this piece of shit's supposed to be? Your thesis? Is that what this piece of shit is supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Joe Joe Pesci's accent in this one. Like, I don't know. He's got his either, is it Jersey or New York? I, I kind of can't tell. I think, well, okay, so at the very end of the film, spoiler, not that that's really a spoiler because you've either seen this film or you're going to listen to this all the way through to the end, so you'll yeah. find out at the end. In his uh, obituary, it says he's from Portland, Maine. So I think he was doing yeah. kind of a northeastern Mainer type accent. Okay. Kind of maybe okay. mixed in with his natural New York mm-hmm. sound. Yeah, so. that, yeah, that must have been it. So this homeless guy who's got the upper hand right now, basically blackmail Monty for Monty's own thesis, and he wants a glazed donut. And some underpants. <laughs> and he's going to trade one thing for each thing. So a trade, uh, you know, you get him a donut, he'll give you a page of your thesis and so on. 
So obviously Monty is pissed about that. We find out he's got a broken foot, so he's going to have to be on crutches, and he hates this homeless guy. I mean, from making that connection about what his thesis is and feeling that people, the people are the drain on the American government, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really what the suck is, and obviously the poor community being the main suck of it, he is not a fan of this dude. I think he's a worthless human. And so Monty calls security on him, which actually, you know, isn't the wrong thing. It's kind of like, I kind of get that. Right. uh, Because he was just being blackmailed and extorted uh, for his own thesis. But they look through it and this guy is already too smart. He hid it somewhere else or gave it somewhere else. Um, And so it's not there. The guy, Simon, goes in front of a judge. And I love this scene here where he pleads not guilty. Everyone else, you know, they assume that these poor people are just too dumb and they just, you know, they plead guilty and deal with what they got. But Monty pleads not guilty and he basically talks his way out of it while being a sarcastic smartass. Right, of course. The entire time. Which is just going to get him in trouble. It just gets, yeah, it gets him held in contempt. But Monty pays his fine. Uh, I do love the little line at the end where he's like, don't ask him to get you a glazed donut. (laughs) I, I have one thing and I... I wish we had a lawyer here to answer this, you know, as if we know any lawyers. Uh-huh. Hey, J- Jody Sellers, the Sellers Law Firm. Yep. Or also uh, our friend uh, Will Dennison. Yes, or Will Dennison. Both have been on the show. Both are lawyers. Yes. If, whether you're in the Chicago area <laughs> or the Georgia area, make sure you check out Will Dennison Law Firm's Esquire or Jody Sellers, the Sellers Law Firm. I actually don't know what Will's law firm is called. Either. I, I don't know his law firm is. I'm Dennison and Dennison and Dennison and Dennison because he has 70 kids and they're all probably going to become lawyers. Anyway, so my my I thought about this this last time, and I I never thought about this. So he makes the defense uh, first was trespassing and vagrancy, trespassing and vagrancy, and he makes the argument that I'm it's a land grant college, so I was on public property. The next charge is public drunkenness, and he goes, I was not, I was not, op- I was uh, not operating, operating vehicle. vehicles, which is true, but you just established that you were in public. Uh, yes, and public drunkenness doesn't equal DUI. It's right. totally, it's a different. It's a totally different, different thing, because he was not in his home per se. So I'm yes. I'm wondering if like a prosecutor actually could have used that against him. Uh huh. True. That I, I like. I that. mean, in this case they didn't need a prosecutor. In this case, it was just the judge. But apparently, the judge didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just kind of went along with it. So I don't know. Just uh, think. You know, having. I, I, I will say. It was nice. I. It's probably been well over ten years or more mm-hmm. since I've seen this film. Yeah, and and that experience in life actually is is kind of nice. Watching some of these older films and mm-hmm. noticing things that I never noticed before. <laughs> yeah, you just allow it, but then you kind of really break down the writing, and you're like, eh, that doesn't that doesn't float <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right there. So, all right, uh, Monty, you know, tries to use his use this to get his thesis, but Simon sees through him sees through him because. He can tell that Monty doesn't respect him, doesn't see him as a human. He sees him as a piece of shit. And so he's going to keep kind of extorting him. And uh, we cut to Monty offers the van for him to sleep in, you know, because he doesn't have a place to go because he got him taken away from the library, which he loved. But you can't let him into the house, uh, which is an old roommate named Bali who isn't there or Boz, Boz, who's in Bali. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to let him stay in his van. And Monty gets... uh, Gets him some food. The reali- the roommates all realize what's up when he grabs food and takes it out to the van. Jeff, who is the real stick-up-the-butt mm-hmm. kind of guy, you know, this nervous Nelly character, and he uh, not happy with it. And I do like Everett's line 
uh, where he's talking about because he has a rooster that he uses on the show. He's like, oh, my cock is a lot cleaner than your bum. My cock is definitely cleaner than your bum. <laughs> Innuendos, John. Yes. Uh, that was also a little side story. You can kind of just tell from the looks and the way they talk to each other. Uh, Monty and Courtney eventually are going to hook up. There's they they like each other. Yeah. They're the love interest in the in the movie. Yeah. At one point, Courtney's in the bathroom taking a shower and she calls for Monty to pop in. And I'm like, wow, that relationship. I wish I had that kind of relationship, <laughs> you know, with a sexy female roommate friend. She talks to him, gives him advice or whatnot through the shower liner that is like almost completely clear. Right. It's just slightly frosted, if you will. Um, so you see very attractive outline. Um, and I do like Monty's line. Never wanted to be a razor so bad in my life. I never wanted to be a razor so bad in my life. That is a line that has stuck with me <laughs> forever. And I've used variations of that, that line in my life before. Meanwhile, Everett kind of befriends Simon, uh, makes a deal with him. If he gets his va- get the van running that is actually his, uh, he will give him a case of wine, basically. All right. That evening, Monty brings Simon uh, a blanket. Um, just kind of he knows how cold it is. And, you know, we kind of see that there are starting to think be things of right. he is starting to see him as a human. He's starting to, you know, treat him somewhat nicely. Simon gives him some pages, but Monty overall still doesn't trust him, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they end up going to the library and Simon just clearly out of place. Um, you know, he's he's obviously he'd been spending his time in the boiler room at the library, not up top. And, you know, he's around all these. And when I think of Harvard, I think of rich kids. I think right. of like, you know, not to say they're spoiled. There are some people who obviously earn their ass all the way up to Harvard, mm-hmm. but there are some people who buy their way into Harvard for sure. <clears throat> Presidents. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Simon's got his, uh, his couple lines here. Women. Ain't they perfect? Not always. Yes, they are. They're perfect. Don't matter if they're skinny, fat, blonde, or blue. If a woman is willing to give you her love, Harvey, it's the greatest gift in the world. Makes you taller, makes you smarter, makes your teeth shine. Boy, oh boy, women are perfect. Boy, oh boy seems to be his little, uh, his line that he keeps kind of going back to. But just all of his little things, his little isms. And uh, Simon then offers, you know, two pages for a bath because he feels kind of gross. And so cut to him in a, with a Viking helmet singing in the bath. Jeff, not happy, freaks out <laughs> because, yeah, he sees him in the bathroom and stands up and he's butt naked with all that. And yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Simon ends up, you know, coming downstairs wearing Courtney's robes and nobody's happy. Right. The roommates are a bit fed up right now. Monty takes Simon to try to go get Social Security benefits, but he doesn't cooperate. He doesn't want to you know, take part in this. He, he doesn't he doesn't trust the government for sure. Or maybe just other institutions in general. So um, so that doesn't end up going anywhere. Uh, so we then get a very nice steady, cut, steady cam shot. I noticed this one. The All the ro- different roommates are getting ready for different things that night. Like Courtney's got a date. Um, Everett's getting ready for something. But, and there's just a nice steady cam shot between all the rooms. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, yeah, their, their rooms were set up where there was like the central hallway. And all the rooms were kind of out in a circle. Yeah. And so the steady cam moved very well. And kind of they all were a bit choreographed. I just thought it was an impressive shot. Um, I just wanted to call that one out. Doesn't seem like a logical layout for the house, but... <laughs> no. Especially when you leave the house on the outside, seeing that kind of little hallway, like sort of, you know, spoken wheel and spoke type thing with the yeah. rooms doesn't make much sense but as fil- uh cinematically it's mm-hmm. nice yeah absolutely uh so the next day uh simon gives monty a whole chapter and but calls him out on it being pessimistic junk 
you know, he, he's got a very different philosophy on life. And he talks to him about his life a little bit. Chenna shows him what his life is, which is a bag of rocks. And they all represent memories. This is just another little thing that Simon does. And you'll see him pick up rocks every now and then. Um, just very only like a couple times that they represent important moments for him. Uh, they take a they're out walking just kind of out on the street. Uh, they take a break on a bench on this uh, bridge. They start talking about each other and, and Simon asks about Monty's father. And that's where things, you know, kind of get turned. Monty doesn't want to talk about him. Uh, he's not interested in him. We find out that Monty's father left when he was five. And he completely ditched him and his mother. He started another family and he ultimately just he was not around and Monty has never been able to forgive him, which will come back. So they do a little bit of bonding that day and, you know, they're just becoming a little bit closer, a little bit more seeing him as a human. And the next day, Monty brings Simon into his government class. It's Pitt Cannon's class. Uh, Pitt Cannon's asking questions. Monty answers one but gets humiliated. And then Simon's like, oh, you know, I told you not to get up and talk. And he was getting he gets end up he ends up getting called on, which uh, I gotta love his answer. Are you a student in this class? No. Are you a guest? No, I'm a bum. Simon knows his lot in life. Mm-hmm. He's accepted where he's at. And he kind of is a no frills kind of guy. Yeah. With it. No nonsense so. for sure. But he and Pitt Cannon don't get along. They have very, very different philosophies i got a feeling that not a lot of people got along with pit cannon i mean he basically agreed he he humiliated another student right before you know right before that happened so yeah but he's looked upon as like this very lauded this you know difficult but the best you know professor in all of harvard (laughs) and the thing is is i've i've known professors like that who Mm -hmm. were like they were not necessarily nice people but were looked upon very highly by the student body and for things that they had done which were probably great things, but you know, didn't make them a good person. Yeah, and you know, I've 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 had professors like that where I'm like, I I can't get on board because you're such an asshole. Mm-hmm. It makes it yeah. so difficult right. to get through classes sometimes. Those aren't the professors that I feel like make the real difference. No, they don't. There are still professors that I talk to today when I need advice on things. I go back to them, and those mm-hmm. aren't always the ones who were like high up on the echelon in the in the area they're the ones who made the most human connection and i know i can go back to and get honest advice so yeah so simon and pit cannon not getting along uh so he's just gonna head out and he asks uh they love this back and forth which door do i leave from at harvard we don't end our sentences with prepositions well in that case which door do i leave from asshole <laughs> he grabs the dollar that pit cannon was um, offering him and just being an asshole and he was. And I like how Simon calls him out on his shit. And before he leaves, he turns around and he gives the answer, gives his answer mm-hmm. to Buchanan's original question, which was, is the president an elected king? Uh, and so Simon comes back and kind of throws it in his face and gives him a well thought out answer. But it's not the type of answer that Pitt Cannon would have wanted or would have said himself. The president isn't an elected king, no matter how many bombs he can drop. Because the crude constitution doesn't trust him. He's a servant of the people. He's a bum. Okay, Mr. Pitcannon? He's just a bum. And the only bliss that he's searching for is freedom and justice. He ends up getting an ovation and a round of applause from the entire student body. So Monty heads out and 
you know, checks on him, but Simon isn't doing well. He's coughing in te- in, uh, incessantly, and something's, something's wrong with him. That night, Monty checks with Jeff to see if Simon can sleep in the cellar, uh, because it's going to be really cold, but Jeff still being that, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't trust bums. Right. He doesn't trust Simon. Uh, and he's also just an overall scaredy cat kind of guy. And he also is the one who apparently pays the majority of the rent. So he's got a little bit of, you know, hand right. over the rest of everybody else. So, so ultimately they can't, you know, go against Jeff because he's the one with the money. Yeah. And so, um, in the van at first, Simon pretends to be dead to mess with Monty, uh, which freaks out Monty, but is also foreshadowing for sure. And uh, he wants, he asks for a spot in the cellar and Monty ends up lying to him to avoid, um, you know, letting him know the truth that he's not welcome in the house. Uh, and so you can see though, you can see that Monty feels really sorry for Simon. Now he's actually, Simon has broken through those barriers mm-hmm. and Monty is, is seeing him as a real person. Uh, but in that morning, Simon's gone. He left a note saying, you lied again, Harvard, deals off. And now Monty is fucked. He won't get his thesis back. And I think for him, he's more so hurt that he ended up lying to someone that he was starting to care for. Mm -hmm. So it is now Christmas time. Monty is going to stick around. Uh, The others are all going home for the holidays. And we again still see some romantic tension between Courtney and Monty. And um, he's going to end up just keep continue to try and work on his thesis. One day. Another homeless man comes knocking on the door to drop off the rest of the thesis. Uh, Monty brings him in, gives him a meal. Simon did have a final message to say. It was, it was something. It was a quote from something. I, I would assume Walt Whitman, but I don't really know. I was going to say I didn't know, and I, I wondered if he was going to say who it was at the end, but my my guess would have been Walt Whitman because that seems to be a, a running theme throughout mm-hmm. uh, the movie. Yeah, there were some things I haven't mentioned that uh, one of the early, early things – brought up in like the very beginning exposition was some kid thought they saw a ghost of Walt Whitman. And so they kind of make the realization that, Oh shit, they must've just seen Simon and Simon kind of keeps getting compared to Walt Whitman kind of throughout the movie. Yeah. Simon or Monty ends up kind of wondering where is Simon and the guy kind of gives him up or kind of lets him know where he might be. So Simon, so Monty goes to that place and finds him there in the alley nearby, which is basically a homeless camp. And he's refusing to go to a hospital, even though he's obviously sick. Uh, so Monty brings him back to the house and he's staying in Boz's room. You know, that former roommate, uh, mm-hmm. Simon, we find out is apparently sick from asbestos from the shipyards. He used to work at these specific shipyards and the company knew that they were there and they ended up just fucking over everybody. And so I think this is where his distrust of government and big business and et cetera um, all stemmed from Simon, though, he's going to need to pay his own way to stay. He won't be able to stay in that room because uh, of, you know, Jeff and doesn't have the money. But he says, you know what? I think I can go get those disability benefits. And so he's going to do that and make his uh, checks that way so he can actually stay there. A doctor tells Monty about Simon being in the final stages of his sickness with asbestos. And I can't remember what exactly what it does. He's, they said something about like it just kind of clogs up your lungs. Yeah, I like the fibers. They he, his mm-hmm. lungs can't expel the fibers yeah. uh, of asbestos in his lungs, and essentially, it's it's basically choking him choking. to death. Okay. Essentially, yeah. Because then he can he can't take in less and less oxygen mm-hmm. as the fibers fill up spaces in his lungs. Sure. Okay. So yeah. So basically, he's he will be he will die eventually, probably, yeah. probably fairly soon. So Monty is obviously distraught by this. He's upset, 
and it motivates him to kind of look back over his thesis and he's now got a little bit of a new new view on life and he's kind of changed his idea of of the world around him of the government by this guy by Simon mm-hmm. Simon then it's uh, you know Christmas Day or New Year's New Year's Day I think it is or New Year's mm-hmm. Eve or something and so he cooks a fancy dinner for Monty and what is on the menu for that fancy dinner a very nice looking chicken a very nice looking chicken and it's Everett's chicken that rooster that we saw from earlier, and that's what he eats. Gorky, I think, is the name or something like that. Gorky or Corky or something. I think it's Gorky. Uh, my, I watched this movie with my son. Uh-huh. When he, when my son realized like that it was the other turkey, which to, I think to my son's credit, he realized it was that turkey or the turkey the the chicken Gee. before it, they said uh-huh. it, what it was. Uh, he laughed for like a good five minutes. Okay, good <laughs> about that. It is that is a funny scene. Absolutely, yeah. like that so. All right, later, Jeff comes home, finds Simon taking a dump, <laughs> walks in on him taking a I dump. I love this scene so much. And he's just pissed. Uh, and Everett uh, Everett and Courtney also return. And yeah, Simon, he's looking like uh, Jerry Garcia. He's got his little round glasses yeah. and all I, the shit. I, I got to go back to this. My, it's, it's a stupid line, but it's one of my favorites. Uh-huh. When Jeff busts in, he goes, holy shit. You think so? Looks like the regular garden variety to me. And then he jumps up and goes, are you sure? Looks like the regular garden variety to me. <laughs> yeah. Another line which I have used in my life. Not that anyone walked in on me taking a shit, but anytime yeah. someone says, holy shit, that's my favorite thing to retort to them. Nine times out of ten times, though, they don't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Jeff obviously wants him out, but Simon can pay his way with his social security benefits now. So he's doing all right. And Everett comes out with his empty cage, a bit upset, Upset that his van isn't fixed yet because he didn't really <laughs> like that bird all that much. No, and we kind of yeah we saw some of that earlier because the bird was like biting him, pecking at him, and shit, and so it's right. kind of funny. So uh, yeah, we kind of cut to montage of some good times. Uh, they get the van running, and um, also Monty works on his thesis, things like that. So things are things are moving smoothly right now. Simon, uh, Simon, and Jeff even eventually do some bonding um, over some cooking and and stuff like that. So. Courtney reads Monty's new thesis, and it's it's totally different from what he was. She says, totally goes against Pitt Cannon's belief system. So it's mm-hmm. fully changed from what the pessimistic view uh, on people that it had before. So Simon then uh, was working on his own bit of thesis, if you will, his obituary. And, you know, he's looking at others to study. He wants Simon to read what he has so far. And here's where we learn a little bit more about Simon's life, uh, that he apparently had a family and he left them, that that Simon left them, which Monty is immediately hurt by because he's brought back to his own life where his own father left him and his mother. Um, it's just it's just a thing that kind of it's an it's another little obstacle that Simon that Monty will have to get through. Then we find out there's this big Harvard pajama party that is going on <laughs> and uh, Monty takes Simon and all the all the roommates will end up going and at the party. Uh, Simon pushes for Monty to, you know, he he's a romantic. That is something that we kind of learned from earlier. He quotes different books and things like that, that he's totally is a romantic. And he's trying to push Monty to go for Courtney. Uh, has a whole little monologue about it, and which he does. And he gives him this monologue. And then this beautiful woman behind him turns mm-hmm. around unbelievably. Do you want to dance? It's just, it was cheesy. And that woman is Claudia Harrow. Who was married to Joe Pesci at the time? What? Yep. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. The man can pull him. The man can pull him. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Pesci's not the best looking man, but he is a good actor. No, but personality goes a long way. Personality goes a long way, as does, I'm sure, some of the money he's made. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but that, I, wow, that, that, interesting. Very cool. <laughs> so, I looked it up. I think they were only married for like three or four years, but yeah, yeah. They, they were married at the time. All right. So, all right. But anyway, Courtney is having trouble with the guy, you know, that she was dancing with. And so Monty goes and talks to her. Do you assume that that was the face? Oh, yeah, it had to be. Had to that's be what the I face. thought, too. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, the face was like her kind of guy that she was just hooking up with that we'd kind of gotten some uh, just we heard about him in earlier right. scenes. But we see this one that they were not going well together. And so her and Simon, they end up talking and then uh, they end up making out. And he wakes up next to her later that night, I assume, uh, because we hear Simon is in bad shape. He's still coughing. But they I think they definitely banged. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Funny, good for them. Another kind of funny thing with my son, like when Monty walks out to uh, to uh, um, oh. to Courtney <laughs> and just kisses her, my son's uh-huh. like, "You can't do that. You got to ask first. And I'm like, <laughs> "Good for you, buddy. Good, good for, for you, you, son. That's good. There you go. You're you're raising them right. Yeah. So yeah, Simon's in, in rough shape, and he tells Monty this whole story about a dog. You know, that it went off to the wood that he had when he was younger that went off to the woods just to die alone. And basically, he's just admitting that he's scared right now because he knows death is imminent. So, all right. But the uh, next morning, Monty's thesis isn't done, but it is due that day. And Simon, who is not doing well, he requests to go to this specific place. The fact that Monty is giving up on turning in his thesis, even though all he really needs to do is print it out and take it over there. He had to do a bibliography. That's what he bibliography. Said. Yes, he still had a little bit of work on the bibliography. Which I can tell you from experience, doing the bibliography is a pain in the ass. Yeah, so that can take that would probably take a whole day. Yeah, but his relationship with Simon is more important, and so he goes with him instead. And all the roommates go. Even Jeff jumps in. It seemed that even he had kind of been touched by by Simon at some point. So they take mm-hmm. him and they go to see Simon's son, and that son is very angry. He doesn't, this is, this was a surprise visit. He doesn't want to see him. He has a lot of residual hate uh, towards his father. You know, he does agree to see him briefly, but he's not happy about it. And I, I can understand. I think, I, I mean, I can not, maybe not understand, but I can, I think it makes sense. His anger. Oh yeah. I, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you spent as as an audience, we spent all this time with Simon. So we, we've gotten to know Simon and, and yes, even though he can be kind of a prick sometimes, Simon is inherently a good person. He's a romantic. Yeah. We've established all that, so it, it's hard to to watch. But you know, we didn't see this guy's life mm-hmm. and growing up, and so you you, you kind of have to empathize with both sides in this case. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, probably the most sad part of it is at one point, you know, the the son doesn't really accept Simon's apology, and the his daughter comes up. And he walks away telling him, she asks, oh, who is this guy? And he's like, he's, he's nobody. He is nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he doesn't even want to tell his daughter about uh, her grandfather right then and there. So we see, you see Simon picks up a stone for this memory at one point and they, as they keep going. And then all of a sudden during the drive back, he wants to stop just in the middle of the road. He wants him to stop. He gets out and he just leaves. And then Monty makes the realization, oh, it's like that story, like the dog. He's just going to mm-hmm. try and go out and die. Monty gets him, and he pulls him and takes him home. That night, the roommates 
are all reading to Simon. They're reading, I assuming, from a Walt Whitman book or some kind of. I don't know, it's just one of. Maybe it's the book that he was reading. I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure it's the Walt Whitman book because he okay. takes the book back to the library later. Uh, yes, that's right. That's right. And so they're all reading to him, and they all do. And Simon does eventually die. They hold a funeral. Monty reads the obituary that Simon wrote. He had mentioned that his family had become all of those roommates. And so it was very touching. Uh, later, Monty goes and talks with Pitt Cannon. Um, but we find out because his thesis was late, there will be no way that he can graduate with honors. So at graduation, everybody gets munched. I did mention, I did, I did notice that Jeff got honors. He got summa cum laude. Mm-hmm. But uh, Monty just gets his name Red, he did not get with honors. Me, Adam Spees, just so y'all know, I was magna cum laude, so I did get, I got some honors. Just throwing that out there. I I don't know what I got. It probably was not any of those. <laughs> gotcha. I didn't even go to my graduation. Uh, my graduation was boring as hell. That's why, that's why I didn't go. That's why I didn't go. It was so long, I could tell you. We had Clarence Thomas doing the speech. Oh. Yeah, it's a... It's Lovely. a Supreme Court guy. He's not yeah. my favorite Supreme Court guy, I can tell you. No. Also, he was boring as shit. Like, people were falling asleep. It yeah. was so, so slow. Well, I but. went, I did, I did go to my wife's uh, college graduation, mm-hmm. and she uh, had Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh my and, God. and people did fall asleep, but that was for another reason. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he was passing, passing out the punch first, huh? Oh, God. All right. Hey, well, you know, that's a good segue because we're going to be talking different worlds. I know. And, and But to be to be fair, he actually did have a very nice energetic speech. Gotcha. His speech was very nice. I, you know, I won't fault him on that. It's yeah. just that, you know, the horrible other stuff. Yes. Um, yes. As they're doing the graduation, we're hearing the Pretenders song, Forever Young. Hey, And then the movie finishes and the credits roll and then it goes into the single I'll Remember from Madonna. And I'll remember the strength that you gave me Now that I'm standing on my own I'll remember the way that you say And I'll say I really like that song. It actually hit number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, it wasn't a bad song. Yeah, it was a bad song. So it was a pretty good hit. I'll go ahead and get my stuff started first. Sure. And then, John, I'd love for you to talk and mention even if your son had anything, you know, what his final thoughts were. I moved kind of quickly on this one. But part of that is because, I mean, well, and there's, I was just going through the breakdown. There's a lot of lines in this movie. I think I re- one thing I've forgotten, maybe maybe it, they all kind of came back to me, is every time they were saying lines, there are just tons of really good one-liners in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of them obviously coming from Joe Pesci's character, but overall there was just good writing. Now I do think there was also some kind of cheesy writing in this movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of noticed it more as an adult. Um, I think things went really quick. Like Monty changed his entire perspective very quickly, uh, in my opinion, with Simon. But it had to happen that way. And the movie mm-hmm. itself is only a hundred minutes, and so it moves quick enough. You know, it's it's not really drawn mm-hmm. up, but I like that um, pacing. I, I enjoyed. It's a bit heavy, heavy handed on its messaging. You know, it's 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 obvious, you know, you're hey, you're supposed to associate with Simon here, not Pitcannon. But the thing that this movie still has, 
I would say above all else is heart. Mm-hmm. I think the movie has really strong heart and I actually really enjoyed rewatching it. And I'll say I got more out of it this time as an adult because from as a kid, I didn't understand worldviews and, you know, how someone could be homeless and not, you know, and all this kind of stuff and have these kind of ideas. And I didn't really know anything about uh, Monty's thesis. Now I have a much broader knowledge base of the world and government and things like that. And so I would think I say I enjoyed the film better now than even I did when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think the movie itself has flaws and I can see why it's not an instant classic like Dead Poet Society and whatnot, where that is a better made film in general. Mm -hmm. But this is, I think, highly overlooked. And if somebody just wants a nice heartfelt story Go check out with honors. Yeah. So my son, uh, I think he did enjoy it. He did enjoy it. Cause I caught, I caught him laughing and asking a lot of questions and he did. He wanted me to point this out cause he, he noticed this and, and I didn't even notice this. Um, in the very, there's, there's a scene at the end after, uh, after Simon dies, uh, where Monty takes the Walt Whitman book back to the library he walks into the library and there's a scene with all, like all the tables. He sets the book down. Then there's a close up on on Brendan Fraser, and when it pans back out, the book is gone. Oh, it's it's it's, it's a it was a flaw, and I wasn't even paying attention to that because my your your, fa- your eyes are drawn towards Brendan Fraser because he's center mm, yes. center frame. My son picked it immediately. He goes, "Where'd the book go? <laughs> Where'd the book?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he made me rewind it to show to show that it uh-huh. was actually it disappeared. So that was a you know a goof that was gone. Uh huh. Um, I wanted, or to- maybe it was the ghost of Walt Whitman. That's exactly what my son said. <laughs> <laughs> and so I definitely gotta I gotta give him props for starting to notice that sort of an inconsistency and stuff. Which it honestly it's a minor thing. Mm-hmm. So what? So what that it's an yeah. inconsistency? Um, well, yeah. Because how many times have we seen it, John? And we've ne- <laughs> never, never noticed exactly. Yeah. And which also tells you that the filmmakers are doing their job because your eyes are drawn towards where they want them to, which yeah. is Brandon Fraser. Uh, so I was just kind of looking over, and I just kind of want to read this, like the reception. So the film received predominantly negative reviews from critics. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's only got a 19% approval rating. Wow, 19%. Yeah. Uh, Holy Roger, shit. Roger Ebert uh, gave it two and a half out of four stars, praising the acting uh, but criticizing the cliched plot. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Washington Post in 1994 uh, released a thing. Uh, the writer of that, Destin Howe, wrote this is the ninth worst movie of 1994. <laughs> he wrote, ah, yes, the touching story of four Harvard students who, after meeting an intelligent homeless person, discovered that the destitute are people too. Gag me cum laude. <laughs> um, and my honest response is, fuck you, Destin Howe. Fuck you, Roger Ebert. Fuck you, Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is a goddamn gem. Yeah. Fuck all of y'all. This is a such a great heartfelt film. I don't care how cliched it is. Everything is cliched at this point. This film has a lot of heart, really great acting from a lot of really great actors, and if you've never seen it, why did you listen to this episode and ruin it for yourself? Go fucking watch it right now. This movie is awesome and i love it and i'm so glad i re- went back and rewatched it uh because it gave me all the feels this time i laughed yeah. i cried i did all this shit i love this movie and i love your passion <laughs> love it all right all right let's move on to a different world
All right, A Different World, 1987 to 1993. It ran for six seasons, 144 episodes on NBC. Uh, this show was created by Bill Cosby. It was a spinoff of The Cosby Show. And it was originally centered around Denise Huxtable, a.k.a. played by Lisa Bonet. Um, and it was meant to be about the life of students at Hillman College, which is a fictional uh, HBCU, which is a historically black college or university in Virginia, is where it's set. Is that is that where the, the Cosby show is set? Uh, no, actually, the Cosby show was set in New York, in Brooklyn oh. Heights. So it was they okay. were, lived in a brownstone in Brooklyn Heights, so... So not not from that area, but right. uh, but then after season one, Lisa Bonet departed the show, and uh, the remainder of the series focused mainly on the Southern Belle Whitley and the math guy and the kind of the other main guy Dwayne Wayne. So, um, all right, the uh, showrunner for this show was majority starting in season two uh, became Debbie Allen, and she has done some acting. She was in the movie and the show Fame. Uh, she was also a producer and a director on episode many episodes of uh, Grey's Anatomy, and she also directed episodes of things like Fresh Prince, Jimmy Fox Show, Quantum Leap, lots of stuff. Um, and she actually was she lived she went to a an HBCU, and I think used a lot of her experiences to help the show itself. That's um, good. So yeah, uh, let's talk let's talk the cast, and then we'll talk about what you and I remember from a different world. So mm-hmm. uh, the cast Whitley. As played by Jasmine Jasmine Guy. She's been in Dead Like Me. She was actually a dancer on the Fame show back mm. in the day. Dwayne was played by Kadeem Hardison. Uh, he was the uh, a voice of, like I think, one of the villains or one of the characters on Static Shock. He was in White Man Can't Jump. Uh, he's been in quite a bit of stuff himself. Ron is played by Daryl M. Bell. He was in not much except Homeboys in Outer Space. That's a cool. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Kim was played by Charnel Brown. A lot of small parts for her. Uh, Freddie was played by Cree Summer. We've talked about her multiple times. Yeah. Between Tiny Toon Adventures, Mummy's Alive, Batman, uh, Inspector Gadget, or Batman Beyond, I mean, Rugrats, Drawn Together. Uh, tons of stuff for her. Yeah. Colonel Brad Taylor was played by Glenn Thur- Terman. Uh, he was in Gremlins, uh, Super 8. Uh, he was in an episode of Scrubs. You would recognize him. He was in The Wire. Also, I remember him from that. Tons mm-hmm. of stuff from him. Um, and actually, funny enough, Glenn Turman was married to Aretha Franklin from 1978 to 84. Oh, okay. And Denise Huxtable was played by Lisa Bonet, like I said, for one season. She did pop in a couple other times. Mm-hmm. And she we know her from The Cosby Show. She's done a lot of different stuff. She's also had been married to Lenny Kravitz and then Jason Momoa. Yeah. So she's got some good-looking... Uh, you know, husbands and good-looking yeah. kids and all and, that stuff. And uh, um, Zoe, I think she's Zoe Kravitz's mother. That is correct, which I'll yeah. mention that in just a second. Oh, okay. Also, tons of other actors. Um, so all of these people had reoccurring characters. Sinbad, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Marissa Tomei, Kim Wayans, Loretta Devine, Patti LaBelle, Joe Morton, and Robert Guillaume all had been on multiple episodes of the show. Hmm. And then other people who had made cameos or just one-off appearances, Damon Wayans, Gladys Knight, Jesse Jackson, Heavy D, Whoopi Goldberg, James Avery, Halle Berry, Tupac Shakur, In Vogue, and many, many more. Did you mention that uh, Marissa Tomei mm-hmm. was also, did you say her name? She, she was one of the, reoccur- I mentioned oh. her as a reoccurring character. Okay, I don't know how I missed that. I was listening for it and somehow I missed it. But she was just in like just that season one, because originally apparently the show 
the the idea idea main idea came about is like oh what is a white person's experience in a historically black college mm-hmm. and so she was kind of that that character uh, but it ended up getting getting spun off into the character Denise Huxtable and her and then you know the white character is just one of her roommates mm-hmm. and her friends let's talk a little bit I mean I will say I enjoyed the Cosby Show ish I watched it some probably not as much as you did mm-hmm. and I watched Different World. A small, small handful of times. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say I'm particularly nostalgic for the show itself, but I always respected the show and I knew it did very well. Mm-hmm. So what about you? What do you remember of A Different World? Um, Well, I do remember I was a big fan of the Cosby show. I did watch it uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. And often, often uh, this would follow it. So you would get yeah. the Cosby show and then immediately would be A Different World, which was it was fun to stay in the same world mm-hmm. for the full hour. This show had a hell of a time slot because before it was the Cosby show, after it was Cheers. So it was right oh, in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so my people probably just, you know, just stay for it. So mm-hmm. I think ultimately I probably preferred the Cosby show out of this. I just thought it was probably funnier. Um, yeah. I also was not old enough at that point to go to college. So I didn't quite identify, you know, with that experience. But, you know, I loved uh, some of the characters. Ron was hilarious. Dwayne Wayne mm-hmm. was hilarious. Yes. Those um, two guys were, were, they were hilarious. Exactly. I yeah. particularly liked Ron. Um, but I, yeah, Dwayne, I, Dwayne was kind of wacky. I think I had discovered Sinbad's um, stand-up at that point. And so I, I enjoyed him on the show as well. I mean, he only popped in every so often. But uh, I probably, I, and I remember, I think we talked about this when we talked Cheers. Cheers was not a show I watched regularly. So I probably, mm-hmm. like, I didn't stick around for Cheers at that point, but I did stick around for this one after the Cosby show. Yeah. So. so. Yeah, one interesting thing that this show did, because, you know, they were dealing with a young adult in college life, as mm-hmm. opposed to kind of like the model family. The Cosby show was very much the model fam- family. This show wasn't afraid to address issues that were kind of avoided by the Cosby show writers. They had to, they dealt with race and, and class relations, sexual assault, mm-hmm. equal rights amendment. Uh, one episode aired in 1990. That was one of the first uh, American TV shows uh, episodes that addressed it that addressed AIDS and HIV. Uh, so this show would kind of go there politically and bring up some of these ideas. Where the Cosby Show was was always kind of a here's a family friendly black positive sitcom mm-hmm. is kind of what this was. And so this one um, very very positive with a lot of stuff but it was not it was willing to kind of go there and, and take on some of these ideas that i think the cosby show just mostly stayed away from so so yeah um as i mentioned the show itself the original premise was going to kind of follow a white student at a black university and then it shifted over to being a story about denise huxtable at the at the college and she had a white friend and then ultimately denise left and she went to africa i think is how they wrote her off uh she left because Lisa Bonet got pregnant with Zoe Kravitz. Ah, okay. And and Bill Cosby didn't want Lisa didn't want um, Denise Huxtable to be pregnant on the show. He said he felt that uh, Lisa Bonet can be pregnant, but Denise Huxtable can't because she's a from a good family and all this kind of stuff. So instead, they kind of rewrote it so she would. Go to Africa, exactly. Go to Africa and whatnot, as opposed to being an unwed mother. He didn't. He didn't want that. I I would have seen that as an opportunity. Yeah. To talk about that. So, but yeah, absolutely. But anyway, so that's kind of what happened. 
apparently uh back in the day so like when they were uh or, or sorry for marissa T- tomei's character meg ryan was originally cast for the role but wow. instead she she decided to pursue a film career mm-hmm. and then marissa tomei stepped in and was cast for that but um one of the main things i definitely want to make sure we talk about is the outstanding theme song well actually i want to talk about all three of them there mm-hmm. were three different theme songs the first one the first theme song of season one was done by Phoebe Snow. I know my parents love me. Stand behind me, come one day. I know now that I'm ready. Because I finally heard them say it's a different world from where you come from. Then the theme song that I think most people know from this show ran from seasons two through five, and that was done by Aretha Franklin. Yeah. I know my parents loved me. Stand behind me, come one day. Mm. I know now that I'm ready, yeah. For I finally heard them say, it's a different world. And you may not remember, but I ranked this version, this Aretha Franklin version, as my number two favorite 80s sitcom theme song. I can't, I'm pretty sh- I can't remember if this made my list or not, but I definitely remember yeah. it de- It had to have at least made honorable mentions. Oh, much. I, I, I think I, I remember it either being like either low on your list or it was an honorable mention. Yeah, one of those two. It's one of those. And then uh, Boys to Men and Terrence Forsyth did the theme song for season six. To me, it's that that middle one. That middle yeah. one is the one that gets me out of this one. So, yeah, I ended up watching two episodes because I wanted to watch one with Lisa Bonet, mm-hmm. and then I jumped over to season three, and I happened to find an episode that Lisa Bonet was on in season three. <laughs> <laughs> that she like they they um, Dwayne went and uh, went and saw her. He, at this point in season three, he still kind of had a big old crush on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't pushing the Dwayne and Whitley stuff. That was a little bit later because yeah. I think they even get married. Like they they became like the the big couple because yeah. they always were like they I remember them like always sarcastic and kind of they they fought all the time right like they they but they did love each other but they fought all the time yeah so I watched a couple this uh, this was a show that I could see yeah if I was a little bit older at the time and I could have understand stood a little bit more of kind of what they were talking about or kind of under you know got those college experiences I would have really probably dug it uh, for me I thought it was okay rewatching it now. <laughs> I thought it was a well-made show, and honestly, I think when they got a little bit away from the Huxtable name, and they could kind of find their own personality, and mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, their their own, I don't know, it just be their own entity, and not just the Cosby Show spinoff, I think it actually probably helped the show a little bit. Um, I do like Lisa Bonet as an actress, I do think mm-hmm. she was probably good, and, and if she stayed on, that would have been cool too. I think it would have been really cool to kind of, if she got pregnant in college 
absolutely that's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I don't think that would be an, been a problem at all. But in the late 80s, right. you know, they were still a little bit too stuck on what is quote unquote family values. Right. Yeah. We know Cosby, the family values <laughs> man. Oh, but <laughs> you got to say something, John. I'm yeah, sorry. You got to. You got to say something. Um, but overall, I liked the show. And if this show was on, I probably wouldn't shy away from it. I also wouldn't turn to it. If I was mm-hmm. on the guide and I saw it, I'd be like, okay, it's an option. Right. It's probably a lower tier option. Right. If there's something else, I'd probably, you know, pick that. But if, if someone was watching it and whatnot, I absolutely wouldn't be like, oh, turn that shit off. Like, no, this was a good show. Yeah. Um, I watched I watched the first few episodes. I kind of was I turned it on. I was as I was fixing myself dinner, so I just kind of let it run for a little bit. Um, and then I switched over to a random episode in season four and watched that. And um, that was about time that actually the rest of my family came home because they had to run an errand. And so mm-hmm. they kind of watched some of that episode with me and made my kids laugh. Yeah. Um, it was, and it, I think it was, there was an episode where like Ron like ended up befriending, he was, it, oddly enough, tying this into, uh, uh, to With Honors, complains about homeless people, meets a homeless guy, befriends uh, him, and tries to help him. That was, it was okay. kind of weird that that worked out too. <laughs> awesome. But I mean, he was, he was, you know, it was, it was kind of like a, one of those ones that was both funny and heartfelt episode at the same time. Dwayne and Whitley were together, um, cause they kept trying to have like, private time and they kept getting interrupted and that was kind of like the mm-hmm. fun thing like that and it was fine my my kids laughed at it uh at some of the stuff in the episode um, ron was funny Dwayne was funny and yeah it was fine um i don't see myself going to pick this show out for any mm-hmm. reason but like if you know if it was on i would be just fine you know sure. watching it if i had to like it wouldn't i wouldn't you know complain about it or anything like that it would just enjoy the the comedy and, and whatnot mm-hmm. for what it was yeah, I think it was solid. Yeah, I agree. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... New Jello Pudding Pops! New Jello Pudding Pops! What's that, Bill Cosby? New Jello Pudding Pops. Frozen pudding on a stick. Mmm, good. Wow, tastes great. That's right. And you know what else? When you eat it, your mom won't give you the old evil eye like she does with some snacks because she knows that this is made with real pudding. New, rich, creamy-tasting Jell-O brand pudding pops. All the goodness of a real Jell-O pudding frozen on a stick. Tastes great. And And no no evil eye. All right, so now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As I mentioned at the top, we are going to recast with honors using actors of today, and uh, I definitely, if you could tell, I was very passionate about my feelings about this yeah. film. Or at least I'm, I'm passionate about other people's hatred of this film. Sure. More than it anything. It doesn't deserve that. I don't yeah. think, yeah, I don't think it deserves that. A 19 on fucking Rotten Tomatoes is ridiculous. I totally agree. I totally I think that they. I think that needs to be above 60%. It yeah. needs to be above 60%. Uh, so we will do the characters of Simon, Monty, Courtney, and Everett, and Jeff, so the four housemates plus simon and we'll throw in pit cannon for fun because that is a reoccurring character um mm-hmm. and the vast majority of the time you spend with these characters so there, you know you don't there isn't a lot of extra extraneous characters to uh to do so wasn't necessary yeah that's pretty much <laughs> exactly like we t- probably wouldn't even pit cannon we didn't really 
I threw him in there because, like, well, fuck, the rest of it, it's, it's just not that much of a cast unless we at least get him in too. Right, so. add something in. So, a uh, good thing about this, I mean, there's there's a lot of open chances to do whatever you want with this cast. Yeah. It's very open-ended. I, I mean, I made a couple of kind of changes, and I guess that will kind of affect the the story a little bit, only if you mm. feel that way. But honestly, I necessarily wouldn't have to change anything about how this... Sure. I mean, they, they, this, I, I could use this cast and just use the same story, and I think it'd be fine. So let's, uh, let's start out with Pitt Cannon. I'll go first. I picked an actress who I love to see, and I think actually now she might be a little too big for a smaller bit part like this. Mm. But, you know, I mean, actors... They'll get jobs wherever they can. Yeah. I changed Pit Cannon to a woman. I She had a movie come out recently that I have heard nothing but amazing things, and I still have not seen it yet, and I need to. Uh, and that's uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I went with Michelle Yeoh. Okay. I, I like that. It's it's interesting. I don't know if I, I can... I've seen her as like that kind of stick-up-the-butt asshole. I haven't either, and that's honestly... I was like, I've never seen her play an asshole. I'd like to see that, and that's why I put yeah. her in there. So, um, I, yeah, I actually recently saw Everything Everywhere all at once on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, well, as I'm on, on my laptop on the plane. Very different movie mm-hmm. in all the right ways. Okay, cool. It was cool. very funky, very interesting. Going, yeah, with an open mind because this is, I mean, think like MCU kind of funky style, but but not set in the MCU or right. that kind of stuff. But it is, it's good. Okay, very good. cool. I almost went with Jane Seymour. Oh, I could see that too. Oh, yeah, she's got presence, man. She, yeah, and she could. I think I've seen her play a bitch before. She played a very similar character actually on How I Met Your Mother for one episode, where she played a uh-huh. pro college professor um, who was kind of a stick up the butt professor. You, know, it, it was the whole thing was about Barney trying to seduce her, so okay. you don't really see her in the classroom. But she had that same presence. But in the end, I I said, you know what? That was it was too much like the same person. So sure. I decided to switch it up. I was like, you know, I'll go with Michelle Yeoh. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I ended up sticking with a white male for this because mm-hmm. I kind of stuck to the the same. I mean, now you could you could make it work with anybody. I'm sure. Right. Yeah, the twist. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, Pitt Cannon represents the old white male guard. You know, I mean, like yeah, that's a good way of thinking of looking at it. Sure. And so I picked an old white male, but an actor who I like. Uh, so this actor is 75. I like him and what he does, and I think he could be kind of professor stuff. And um, I went with Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. I mean, he's older now, but yes. Right. Okay. He's yeah. Just got, he's got that look. Yeah. He, I, he's a good actor. I love Sam Neill. Okay. Good choice. I, I didn't think it was going to be too controversial. It's also not too, like, I'm not really breaking the mold. Right. That one. Right. Of course. Uh, okay. Jeff. Uh, kind of starts out unlikable. Even my son pointed out at the beginning that he was, he was like, he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah. I kind of just went with an actor who I don't think I've ever used. I don't know too much of his stuff, but he's been in some good movies that are that the movies mm-hmm. themselves have gotten praise for. So I was like, you know what? I want to try and... I tried to pick actors I had not used, mostly. I've used Michelle Yeoh before in the past. Um, yeah, I have not. I did not do that. <laughs> Um, so I tried to break away um, from some of that mold. So I just picked an actor who I think you know could probably play that. Uh, he has been in Manchester by the Sea. He's been in Lady Bird. He was in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, he's been doing a lot of stuff. Um, he only started uh, acting, oh, but 2007. 
Um, but I think I think he was kind of small when he did that. Uh, but his name uh-huh. is Lucas Hedges. Uh, I know exactly. I've definitely seen Lucas Hedges. I really like um, Three Billboards. I do remember him in that one. Yeah, that's a better call. I I, I realized for my actors, I went too young. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know I they're that- college kids. But I tried to stick with, I tried to stick with like mid mid to early twenties. Yeah. Because I mean, they the thing is, is like they they talk about them like like they're doing like they're undergrads, mm-hmm. but. I don't really know too many undergrads who have to do a thesis. That's that's a yeah, master's fuck. thing. So I, I fucked up. I stuck to like kind of early to mid twenties ish. Well, then these I'm changing mine to a uh, boarding school. Okay. Uh, there's a very fancy boarding high school. Okay, and if they want to get into Harvard, then they're gonna have to find this homeless guy and change their thoughts. Okay. And this is the youngest of the group. Um, is my Jeff. I, I also I, Lucas Hedges is great. I think he's isn't he um. Hasn't he been, uh, is he the one who's been our MacGyver recently, or that Lucas Till, uh, uh, or someone else? I think that's someone else. Okay. Anyway, that's a good call. I think it's a very good call with Lucas Hedges. Okay, cool. Uh, so my Jeff is 18 years old right now. Okay. And he looks young, because he plays like a early high schooler. Early high schooler, <laughs> even. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to get people who like actually are the age that are supposed to be in college. Uh-huh. But the problem is, you're right, you're dead on. These, if you're writing a thesis, you're not a fucking freshman or a sophomore, right. and hell, you're probably not even an undergrad. Yeah, I never, I never, I never knew anyone in undergrad who actually had to write a thesis. Although they refer to him as a junior, uh-huh. like I maybe juniors at Harvard have to write a thesis. But the only per- people I ever knew who had to write a thesis were master students and doctoral yeah. students as well. But so, so yes, so mine is officially becoming. You're going to graduate high school with <laughs> honors. Uh, and so I went with Noah Shap from Stranger Things. Okay. He's, he's He's got like the Jeff scaredy cat vibe to me. Yeah. You know, at least I think he could do that acting. Uh, I like him a lot in, in Stranger Things, of course. And so, but yeah, he's too young looking for, so for, it's high school, high school for me. Okay. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, all right. Everett. I like the character of Everett because he's kind of a cool guy. Yeah. So I actually this this was actually the character I had the hardest time uh, picking out. But I, I I picked a guy who I don't think I've picked him for anything before, but he's done a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, he's been he was in the Reverend, he was in the Maze Runner series, um, Midsummer. But most people will know him for one thing, and I am. Super excited about his upcoming MCU appearance. Uh, he's probably best known for being the kid in We're the Millers, but he's going to be our new Adam Warlock. I went with Will Poulter. I'm very curious to see him as Adam Warlock because yeah, I know that that's a character you like. Yeah, I, I like him. I like him a lot. I think uh, I I'm very curious to see what kind of route he takes with that one. But yeah, I like. It. I think that's a good call. He's a very. He's been acting for a long time. He has. Uh, or well, for yeah, Son of Rambo. I did. Yeah, I saw that one. I like that call. Cool. Uh, all right. Who is your Everett? All right. So for my Everett, I'm taking an actor who has also done some kind of high schooly, younger looking stuff. Of course, even though I think he's probably like mid twenties or so. Um, he kind of played cool in the Spider-Man franchise, even though he didn't play the character that he was supposed to be anything like 
how I know Flash Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, Flash Thompson is like the cool jock, and like he, he you know, he bullies right. uh, Peter Parker, which is there was some bullying aspect, but they kind of got rid of that. And he didn't he didn't look athletic to me. He's not athletic. He doesn't appear to be. But <laughs> he's quirky in the movie Grand Budapest, and he's also going to be in the upcoming new Willow show. Ah. So I think you kind of mix and mash the quirky from Grand Budapest and put in like, you know, he's kind of played cool before with Flash Thompson. Tony uh, Rivolari. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's who I'm going for for my Everett. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I I kind of agree in that it's 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 a fun take on Flash Thompson, but not what I'm expecting from a Flash Thompson. Well, I mean, the whole thing about Flash Thompson's like, I don't know, journey. He's he actually Flash Thompson becomes Agent Venom, I think, down the line. Right. So I if I if I remember correctly, it's either yeah, I think it's him. Um, Flash Thompson, yeah, is like a bully asshole to Peter Parker, but he loves Spider Man. He idolizes Spider Man, and so the funny ir- irony there is he's bullying Peter Parker. But he idolizes that same guy, you know, in a different suit. Right. I think Flash Thompson ends up joining the military, getting paralyzed. The Venom symbiote attaches to him and he becomes like this vigilante agent Venom who uses guns and whatnot. I'm pretty sure that's Flash Thompson. Okay. And but I think all those aspects about his character are important and him being like that very athletic guy. And then Tony Rivoleri, not at all. Like he, he right. comes off very hill. He's in like the nerdy groups. Like he travels with, um, you know, on like on his like math team or whatever it is where they go to France and stuff. And I'm like, that's not Flash Thompson. Right. What the hell is this? It just felt wrong to the comic book character. Yeah. But it's not to say, you know, having that type of character is wrong. It was just really wasn't um, what I was expecting. But it, but him as an actor, I like him, and he keeps he keeps popping it popping up in a whole bunch of stuff. So I think he would uh, could absolutely do it. Okay. Cool. All right. Courtney, Courtney's kind of sassy and uh, uh, yep, tomboy esque. Tomboy esque, but still, f- still fairly feminine. Um, yeah, but I went with uh, uh, an actress who she's kind of. She might be the oldest one of the kids. I think she's like twenty seven or twenty eight right now, but she still looks pretty young. I haven't finished the series yet, but about halfway through this one series that has gotten a lot of critical acclaim and I think well-deserved from what I've seen so far. And it, it helps that, uh, I have culinary experience through culinary school and through some restaurant experience that Mm -hmm. I enjoy this. Um, and she's on the show, the bear, which you've never, if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. Okay. Uh, I've seen, I've only like seen it passing through on my, on my streaming services. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and her name is Io. Edibiri. I mean, I know, I know nothing from her. Oh, she's also been in. Oh, what? Oh, it's only one epo- episode of What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, oh, she voices Missy on Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a show I love. She's done a lot of comedy stuff, surprisingly. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen her in person, but if you are really digging her from the bear and you recommend that show, then I, I'm gonna go with your recommendation yeah, on that. I highly recommend that show. Okay. And I don't. Cool. I don't think. I think the episodes are. Fairly short, like that might just be thirty minutes. I'm trying to remember. I could be wrong. I find that that helps me get through shows. Like sometimes, even though I will sometimes watch a thirty minute show for like three straight episodes, and it's not a problem. Right? There's a commitment with the hour long shows, and honestly, there's there was a commitment with the fucking like I I got through Ring of Power. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked most of it. Right. 
but it was a slow show for me. It was it was so slow. It, yeah. And the uh, what I want to give it praise for is the fucking production value was top notch. <laughs> and I think it felt like it was in the Lord of the Rings and not in the Hobbit. And I really like that. Yeah. But every episode, I was like, do I want to commit myself to fucking 70 minutes? I don't know if I can. Ah, fuck it. I'll just put on Seinfeld again, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah. okay. I, I, I'm I'm all for this one. All right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, yeah, uh-huh. sorry. I was just going to say, it's definitely like a one episode a night type thing. Got, yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah it's not one that I find, but we don't binge it all that often. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, you're Courtney. Uh, my Courtney. I kind of dove into the tomboy vibe, but also cute feminine uh, and we saw how kind of sexy feminine she can be as she grew up in front of our eyes and banged uh, Robert Baratheon's bastard child but she was definitely also very tomboy I went with Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones that actually seems like a good fit okay I think that sounds like a cool. really good fit cool I'm, I'm, I'm good with that alright and she's still about the right age. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, she could still play high school. She could still probably even play some college. So in my weird, wacky, I don't know how I how I botched this age thing. But, you know, yeah, just, <laughs> I just make it a make it a um, prep school. That's what acting is for, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what acting is for. Uh, okay, Monty, here is where I made a change. Um, and that was because... The, the, the right actors around this age are going to be your Timothy Chalamet, your oh, yeah. Tom Hollins, your stuff like that. And I'm like, God, I've been using nothing but those guys. <laughs> yeah. So I went with a woman. Okay. I flipped it up. And um, if you can have them have a, you have her have a relationship with Courtney, if you want, um, however you want to do it. Uh, so I was like, all right, I need an actress around this age is doing really good stuff. And I I didn't know too much about her before I saw her in the MCU, but I loved her in the MCU, and I've heard nothing but good things about her, so I went with Florence Pugh. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen other stuff, but I've heard good things from her other movies, from her mm-hmm. acting, and she <laughs> steals the show on Black Widow, and honestly, she was some of the best parts of even Hawkeye. I really liked Hawkeye, her when she yeah. came in on that. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, and she's kind of yeah, exactly. She she could be that that she is that right age that feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like her. I like her as an actress. So I think that's really cool. I, good call. All right, and who'd so. you go with? Um, I didn't go with the Timothy Timothy Chalamet and the uh, the Tom Hollands, but I right. went with another one of those guys in that same age range that I've already <laughs> used like probably four times, and I just right. was like you know what, whatever. <laughs> he he's good. I like him. He is. Uh, he played. Kind of like you know, not 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 quite like Monty before, because he came from a lower class background. But he became he was kind of a uh, an understudy to to Billy in uh, Karate Kid or in the Cobra Kai show. I go back to the well of Cobra Kai, <laughs> and I do love this guy. And I'm very curious about his upcoming Blue Beetle. I've used him before, and I don't care. Zolo Maradona, I like him. He he's my money. Yeah, I think I actually did look at him as well, mm-hmm. and I was like, "No, nope, I've used those guys too," and and I still have not even seen Cobra Kai, and that shocks because you were you were the Karate Kid fan, you know, uh, compared yeah. to me for sure. I think I saw the very first episode. I, well, initially I didn't watch it because it was on like YouTube Plus. You're right. Yes, and I had no desire. Like they put like the first two episodes on regular YouTube for free, so I think I watched the first one, uh-huh. and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to get into this because I'm I'm not paying for." 
yeah youtube well now it's it was youtube red now it's youtube premium of course i say that i actually now have youtube premium i do um, it's because of those fucking ads like it, they, i i was so fucking inundated with political ads i yeah. got so sick of it so I'm, right now i'm still in the free trial also i use my youtube account for school when i show like educational mm-hmm. videos to kids and i i don't want to it's hard to screen ads because sometimes they pop up in the middle of things yeah like we'll be like doing like a, a a storybook or like doing a dance or listening to something like that and i'm like i don't, I don't want to have to you know fight with those ads when i'm trying to teach kids so i finally mm-hmm. i just bit the bullet and i was like you know what i'm just yep. gonna get premium yeah i would say i've enjoyed, i actually canceled my netflix dvd account um, oh really and I'm, us- and I'm using that yeah because i still had the dvds um but mm-hmm. instead i'm using my fucking library I've got a great library system. If I need a DVD, I can pretty much get it as long as I prep in advance. Because right. um, there's, it's all over. You know, like there's these all over Georgia. Um, these systems have the same library, and so if like yeah. the DVD that I want is down in like Savannah or some shit, they uh-huh. will send it eventually to mine, and I can pick it up. Now it will take some time, a couple weeks. Right. So I'm just trying to look ahead, and I can just use that, and it's free. So yeah. fuck, fuck Netflix. Use your <laughs> use your libraries, people. But I use that money. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reallocate that to premium because I got sick of all the ads for just well, because they used to be they used to be one ad that you could skip. And then it turned into one ad that you can't skip in front of right. every video. And then it became one ad that you have to watch and then one ad that you can skip. And now it's like getting to be where two ads you can't even skip before yeah. every fucking video. And, and like every yeah. five damn minutes. Exactly. Too, it felt like. And it allows you to do their uh, YouTube music, which I don't I don't pay for Spotify. And so I was like, you know right. what? This will kind of be my music player and it will be um, getting rid of those yeah. ads. So I've liked it. Also, well, I'm not going to get into this that. episode gonna... is sponsored by YouTube <laughs> Premium. <laughs> I was going to I was going to complain about I was watching the Georgia game yesterday and a political ad with Herschel Walker came on like yeah. the ESPN thing I was watching. I'm like, <sighs> yeah, All right. let's let's yep. let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. Good choice, though. Good choice. Thank you. Uh, all right, Simon. Probably the one that was going to be the hardest to to cast, I yep. think. Um, but I I actually came to this choice pretty quickly, and I, I like it. I'm going to stick with it. The physical difference between Monty and Simon, um, I actually think, plays into the movie a little bit because mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser is very tall. Joe Pesci is very short. Um, with this one, I, it's flipped. Actually, my Simon is six foot two because oh. uh, the actor is very tall. So I was like, you know what? I can't. I can't address that height difference. I need to go with somebody who I know is a good actor. Again, because I think you could look at it that Monty at the beginning of the film not only figuratively looks down at Joe Pesci, he literally looks yeah. down on I Joe like Pesci, that. and so that that helps to sell that point. Here, it's it's not going to work. Um, I don't know how tall Florence Pugh is, but I, I get the impression she's probably at best average height, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess um, maybe 5'5". Five, five. I don't know. But I know my guy is very tall, and you know what? Honestly, if he was still alive, my first pick would have been Robin Williams for something uh, like this. Yeah, sure. Because uh, he would have been older now. Um, but this guy is older, but he has proven not only can he do comedy, but he can do dramatic roles and something like this where he gets to flex a little bit of both muscles i think would work well for jim carrey jim carrey was the first name i wrote down oh really first name i didn't end up going with it but i think that's a really good call because because exactly because he had done comedy and drama and i and i'd like to see some of that him flex some more that drama muscles but so i I like that call 
and I, I like to see him do more subdued comedy, like less physical yeah. comedy, more kind of wit. Yep. I have no doubts that he could kill it. Yeah. This. I, I like that. Like I said, I, I ended up, there was someone who eventually came that I thought I liked better or that I do okay. like better as a pick, but Jim Carrey was my first just like pick to write down on my thoughts. So I, I think it's, okay. it's, it's great. Really good. Call. Cool. So, all right. Who was your Simon? So I also went with a comedic actor who has done serious before. I mean, it's it's because of Jim Pesci. He, Jim Pesci has done both. Joe um, Pesci. So I thought, what did I say Jim? You said Jim <laughs> yeah. Pesci. Sorry, yeah, Joe Pesci has done both. Uh, yeah, and this guy I think could do, yeah, I mean, yeah, same, same, the exact same reasons you thought for Jim Carrey, I thought for also for this guy, but he is a little bit smaller and I think, I, maybe I just see Homeless a little bit more with him because he's done <laughs> a little bit more of like the beard recently. I went oh, with yeah. Steve Carell as my um as okay my i can yeah. see that too okay i can see that too yeah i don't know how tall steve Carell is i think he's probably taller than we think he is i, I think he's shorter than we think he is really Forrest okay. p was five four i saw okay well so i'm not that surprised steve Carell height five <laughs> nine so i mean he's, he's okay so he's average height average yeah that's, he's that's average, average. okay <laughs> no i love steve Carell. um sure i don't know personally I think Jim Carrey looks better rocking the beard because I've seen him with the homeless beard too. And he's been very, very, he looked very homeless when I've seen him he, with those beards. Yes. Yeah. But I love Steve Carell and I think, yes, sure. he he's definitely a guy who can flex both of those sure. muscles and mm-hmm. can do that. So I think ultimately we got some good casts. We do. Uh, and I could see them, you know, not to say this movie needs a reboot because just right. go back and watch the fucking original. Yeah. Listen to John. <laughs> Go back, yeah. rewind, listen to his, it's, his passion. It's good. Yes. But it's, if they did, or if they made a similar type of movie, they could use one of our casts and make a similar updated type of film. I agree. All right. That was our recasting of With Honors. Please join us next time for another album review. John and I go over the debut album, Motorcade of Generosity by Cake. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.